the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. We are back with another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. Today, I am joined by John Fabricatori, who uh, was the field office director for ICE in Denver, uh, has a long history of really interesting, a really interesting resume. And so, uh, first of all, welcome to the, to the show, John. Thank you. Thank you. And if you could just let the listeners know kind of your history, all the different things that you've done, everything from the military on, uh, I think it would be really interesting for people to kind of have that basis going into our discussion, uh, you know, on crimes, on drug, drugs, et cetera. So go ahead and, and sure. Sure. So uh, my career in the government goes back to 1990, uh, joined the Air Force uh, coming out of high school, was uh, Air Force Security Forces. So started out in law enforcement in the Air Force. Um, when I got out of the Air Force in the mid 90s, I joined the Federal Protective Service, which is a federal law enforcement organization, federal police officers. I worked the first World Trade Center bombing trial, was on the New York Terrorist Trials Operations Command. Um, transferred out to Colorado during the Oklahoma City bombing trial, worked both trials uh, during that period, and then uh, was very lucky to get on with Immigration Naturalization Service in uh, late 1998. Um, from Immigration Naturalization Service, you know, we, we, we you know, get into 9-11 from there. Um, you know, one, one of the, you know, the, you know, the worst days for me, you know, in, in my career coming in, into work. Uh, that morning, turning on my computer and, and seeing what happened and seeing that the world had changed. Uh, from there, you know, uh, INS was devolved into uh, Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. So I became uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, taught at the academy for a, a few years, taught um, arrest control, fugitive operations uh, to brand new agents, came back out to Colorado in 2005 after the academy stint. And I uh, was on the fugitive operations team, was a supervisor for that team, worked with the U.S. Marshals on uh, sex offender operations, uh, did a lot of operations uh, for immigration fugitives. So basically people who were deported previously, um, we had taken them out of the country. They had reentered the country multiple times and committed more crimes after reentering into the country. So my team was uh, tasked with finding those people and bringing them to justice. Spent a few years doing that. Uh, got up into higher level management, became an assistant field office director, was over Intel, uh, emergency management, uh, really did a lot of work in the intelligence community, um, became a, de- a deputy field office director, was sent down to San Antonio, Texas to be the chief of staff for the whole border at the time. So I worked at Joint Task Force West. Uh, we were over the whole southwestern border, south, uh, you know, all through Texas, through California, uh, dealing with a lot of heroin at, at the time we were dealing with. Uh, transitioned over from there, became the uh, field office director, a senior executive service, um, was a field office director for, for three years. Uh, during that time, I was sent out to uh, work on uh, 
the uh, Operation Allied uh, Welcome, which uh, was the Afghanistan withdrawal. So worked uh, bringing in 75,000 Afghan refugees into the United States, worked on that project and then retired in July of, of this year. So that's just kind of my career in a nutshell. There's plenty yeah, of no, it's, it's amazing uh, yeah. all the things that you're able to touch. You're talking about Afghanistan and Oklahoma City bombing yeah. and 9-11 and, uh, you know, the Marshall stuff. It's just uh, we could spend an episode, I think, on exactly one of those experiences. But I I'd like to focus in on uh, a couple of things. One, uh, and you brought up the, the heroin issue that you dealt with. I think it was back in 2006, uh, especially that there, uh, you know, was a uh, an operation that you helped lead. Uh, obviously, that shifted uh, somewhat, and not not that heroin isn't a big issue, but it shifted somewhat to fentanyl being a huge opioid issue here in Colorado. Was wondering if you have thoughts on that shift. What's been happening? Uh, we know, you know, because of the focus that has been on this nationwide and in Colorado, how serious this is. Uh, what are your thoughts on on what's going on with fentanyl right now? Yeah, you know, fentanyl is 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 horrible. Uh, you know, just heroin is still a huge problem in, in Colorado. Let's not down downplay that at all. It's it, it's still, you know, one of the leading drugs that's that's used and, uh, you know, is definitely affecting a lot of lives. But but the, the difference between the fentanyl and the heroin is fentanyl will kill you one time. Yep. So, you know, people can be hooked on, on heroin. And I've worked many cases where we've arrested multiple people multiple times, uh, heroin users, traffickers and multiple times with, with fentanyl one wrong move you're 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 done so you 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 die uh that's how dangerous it is and it's dangerous for our children it, it it's dangerous for for people that are you know a first time user of a substance so you know they could be thinking they are getting percocet from a friend or you know some other you know over the counter medication and they don't know that it, now it's been laced with fentanyl and and again one time and you you know you lose a sibling a brother a child a friend you know whatever um, so, you know, the, the, the dangers with fentanyl are definitely there and fentanyl is very easy to traffic across the border. It doesn't take a lot of it to then expand that fentanyl through a drug supply. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this little bottle of Gatorade right here, you fill this with fentanyl and this is enough to kill, you know, 10,000 people. So, or, or, or more, um, you know, so it's very, very easy to smuggle. It's not like you need to smuggle in a, a, a large, uh, 18 wheeler full of a product to make a profit. So the cartels know this. And, you know, that's why they, they, they've switched to uh, trafficking fentanyl, because it, it's such an easy drug to get over the border, because you only need a small quantity of it. Uh, and, you know, we, we've seen that uh, problem be uh, expanded here in Colorado, we have a lot of overdose deaths due to fentanyl. And, you know, nationwide, we've got almost 100,000 overdoses a year, uh, you know, due to, to opioids and fentanyl being a large uh, part of that. Uh, you know, the fentanyl that's trafficked in through Mexico, the precursors are supplied by China. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Chinese are definitely, uh, you know, part of, of, of that triangle of the, the trafficking there. So these precursors are sent down to Mexico. Mexico mixes up the chemicals, creates the fentanyl, ships it up over the border. And so it's coming in through you know, our southwest border, it's also coming in through our mail ports too. precursors are mailed directly from China uh, through the dark web. Um, you know, people are picking that up here. So, you know, the, the, the issue is, is, a, is a border issue. It's a national security issue. It's an issue in that, you know, that the Chinese are definitely a part of this operation to, you know, uh, have fentanyl in the, you know, U.S. drug market. It's a problem because it's emboldening the cartels with the profits that they're making. Um, And it's it's just become a a huge issue here in Colorado. 
you've, uh, you know, obviously dealt with border issues and even in Colorado and Wyoming, where you, uh, you know, oversaw operations here, the impact comes, as you've mentioned, from from the border. Can you comment kind of on, you know, the the border crisis we have right now? The drugs are coming across. You have criminals coming across. What is what is going on under you know this administration and under past administrations? But uh, you know, can you kind of set up how that impacts things you know here in Colorado specifically? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is one of the things I, I seem to get in conversations about a lot. You know, people people say to me, "What you were ICE in Colorado? Why do we need ICE in Colorado? You know, how many how many illegal immigrants do we have here? You know, we're far away from the border. We're only twelve hours away from the border, and and you know, last I looked, we have cars and and things, so people could get up here." pretty quick. Uh, so it is affecting Colorado. It, we, we have I-25 that runs through the state. People can cross over at El Paso uh, and they're, you know, up here in Colorado within 12 hours. You know, they can smuggle drugs, humans, uh, sex trafficking, whatever they're looking to do. And it's here within a day. So, you know, we we are in essence a border state. So, with, you know, within 24 hours, whatever's happening at the border is happening here in Colorado. So, you know, it's something that we need to keep in mind. But to, to, to go back kind of, you know, historically, you know, uh, you know, 1996 was the last time that immigration laws were really changed, you know, enforcement laws at, at least. And, uh, you know, it was era IRA under President uh, Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, you know, new immigration laws were, were implemented. So it was uh, under the Democrats. The Democrats at one point in time wanted to control immigration. Yeah. And, you know, so this was all voted on. It was a bipartisan effort. It was passed. But unfortunately, the laws that were put on the books at that time, no one ever really enacted them. The minute that even at that time, President Clinton had these new laws come into effect, they started chopping away at the at those laws. So, you know, from my point of view, it was at that time for the Democrats, it was a political issue. It was a voting issue. They got it on the books. They got it passed, but it was never really implemented. And it's it's happened that way through various presidents that have, uh, you know, inherited those laws. And I've worked for every single one of those presidents. Right. So, you know, under President Bush, um, you know, in, in his first term, he, he he did a lot of, you know, good things. But, you know, 9-11 was definitely in, in his thought process at that time. You know, we got the Patriot Act. We got a lot of different things that, that were, you know, there's some controversial stuff, you know, and, and, and some things that may have helped immigration law. And we Again, we collapsed customs and, and INS at that time because of we saw what was not happening, you know, with with uh, those agents, agencies not working uh, together enough. So then, uh, you know, o- Obama comes in into office and in Obama's first term, there was a lot of deportations. I mean, a lot of people call Obama the deporter in chief his first term. There, there definitely was. I mean, you can look at the statistics. This is this is not, you know, hi- hyperbole. It, it is the it is a fact that Obama deported more people in his first term than any president ever, mm-hmm. uh, even more than than President Trump did. Uh, during Obama's second term, again, it was tamped down. You know, they, they he, he didn't have to do a lot with immigration. He knew he was in his second term. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, uh, immigration law uh, by fiat. So they got rid of a lot of stuff just by signature, you know, saying you can't do this. You, you can't do, uh, you know, certain laws. They 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 they, they took out work site enforcement. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't being done. So then President Trump comes into office and he tries to ramp things up, but never really gets a, a good foothold on being able to do that. You know, there were a lot of people uh, immediately when he tried to do some things, you know, there was a lot of protests, uh, you know, people saying that he, he he shouldn't be able to do this. And 
you know, just what was never really able to, to get laws, you know, kind of launched off and, uh, and, and do what he really wanted to do. He got some of the wall built mm-hmm. definitely, uh, you know, was more supportive of the border patrol and of ice. But again, during that, that one term really, really couldn't get, uh, get things going. Uh, President Biden comes into office and totally shuts everything down. I mean, from the, the very first day that President Biden was in office, he tried to put a moratorium on deportations. So he wanted uh, a 100-day no deportation hold, so where we would not be able to deport anybody for 100 days. Thankfully, a federal judge thought that was a horrible idea and made that go away. But it really didn't go away because, again, through presidential signature, he just put out memos and and, uh, you know, different rules that ICE officers would have to follow in which we really couldn't go out and make arrests. So they did everything in their in their abilities to to make it so it was very hard for ICE officers to do their job. They made them have to go into, into a computer system and and only go after, you know, the actual worst of the worst criminals and kind of let everybody else in, which, you know, most ICE agents and officers that's who they want to go after anyway. They want to go after the gang members. They want to go after the traffickers. You know, they, they, they want to go after those cases. But in law enforcement, sometimes it takes going at the lowest level to find those. Sometimes you've, you've got to make an arrest of just your basic, uh, you know, misdemeanor in order to turn that person so that you can find the guy that you're looking for. That's really the worst of the worst. That's, that's part of law enforcement. It's always been part of law enforcement. And it's really how you get the job done. So you you sometimes have to arrest the little guys in order to to work up that chain and 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 get the guys at the top, right? Did you did um, you feel? I was curious. Did you feel that the resource? I mean, obviously the policy wasn't there, but also are the resources there to do that kind of of work too? Because there was a, a a story that I saw that you were uh, involved with in in Fox Thirty One was following you, uh, you know, making a uh, you know ma- going after somebody who was a repeat uh, immigration violator had a criminal record, et cetera. Obviously that was the work that you were doing, but did you feel like the resources were there or are there to make those, uh, you know, down the line uh, uh, arrests that you need to do in order to, to make sure that it doesn't get worse and more people, uh, you know, aren't injured or die because of, of these criminals who are, are in our country? Unfortunately, no, the resources aren't there. And, and, and they make it so that the resources aren't there, especially this administration. Uh, it, it, you know, even here in the in the state of Colorado, the state of Colorado has passed multiple laws making it hard for immigration to work with local law enforcement. Right. In uh, 2019, they they passed 1911-24, which said that local law enforcement cannot give any any information to ICE uh, that has any civil immigration nexus to it. So, and, including probation. So even probation and parole could not let ICE know. When someone was coming out of jail, going on to probation, had been convicted of a crime, they couldn't let ICE know that this person was now released to the street. So, no, those resources weren't there. So, you know, ICE is now having to go out on the street to try to look for these higher level cases, mm-hmm. building from a, a, a position of nothing. Right. So, you know, we didn't have the intel because the locals weren't releasing it to us. We, we, we didn't have information that we would have needed to try to build those higher level cases because people just weren't helping out. And it's gotten worse and worse in this state with, uh, you know, laws being passed by the legislature that that really uh, demeans ICE, 
makes it look like, like, like ICE is a danger to the community. I mean, I can go through various laws that have been passed since 2019. It's pretty much a, a, a law a year that the Democrats have passed, which puts some kind of pressure on ICE and makes it difficult for ICE to do their job. You know, people used to laugh at me in, in like 2017 when I said the Democrats are going to try to abolish ICE. They're talking about getting rid of ICE. And we saw it happening during the, the whole Trump administration. People were saying abolish ICE, abolish ICE. And I said, look, they're going to do this, but they're going to do it over long term. And people were laughing at me. And now I can show them every year a law has been passed in Colorado suppressing the authority of ICE within the state. And now, you know, we're we're here in 2023 and they're trying to pass a law which would totally eliminate immigration detention in the state of Colorado. It would the only place that ICE would be able to put detainers to put put, uh, people in custody is the facility that it has in in Aurora. Mm -hmm. So it'll it would get rid of every other county jail that ICE uses and needs for transportation needs throughout the states of uh, uh, Colorado and Wyoming, because we cover two huge states. You can't just have one detention facility to put people in. If I have agents in Durango who make an arrest, if they make an arrest at four o'clock in the evening, now they've got to drive from Durango to Aurora. Aurora. A 12-hour drive after you've already worked eight hours, you can't do that. And they know this. They they know by limiting where we can put people in custody that they're limiting what ICE can arrest. No, that makes sense. Uh, I want to get back to one topic before uh, I ask you my last question, which which I'll set up will be uh, one thing on the federal and one thing on the state side that you think would make things better. You talked about a lot of different things that are problems, but want to know that. But before that, you know, there's been uh, these asylum cases, uh, these migrants who have come uh, to Denver, and this was happening some months ago and was continuing almost every day that people were showing up, didn't know where they came from. Uh, at the same time, there's this asylum issue on the border where we can't process them in time and do border patrol at the same time, right? We have these two different things that are going on. Yep. So people are either coming across uh, or we're neglecting to to do these asylum cases. I think a lot of people would say, look, people that genuinely deserve uh, or, or want asylum should get it, but we can't do two things at once and protection is very important. So wanted to get your thoughts on kind of the migrants that are showing up in different cities, including Denver, and that issue at the border uh, with asylum cases. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, let me just say one thing real quick, you know, just for your listeners that, that are going to be listening to this. I want immigration. I want people from from all countries, all races, all colors to be able to come to the United States. I am I am pro-immigrant legal immigration, pro-legal immigration, okay? Because we need to know who's here. We need to vet people that are coming in. We need to make sure that they don't have criminal backgrounds. We need to make sure that they're they're not parts of terrorist groups. We need to make sure that they don't have dangerous diseases that we've eradicated here in the United States coming into the United States. We need to be able to do these things. But I'm all for people coming to the United States. And just like you said, asylum is a good thing. There are a lot of horrible places on this planet. We want people to feel safe to come to the greatest country in the world. Mm -hmm. Asylum is a good thing, but it needs to be done the right way and not abused. It is very abused right now. So you're supposed to come to a port of entry to claim asylum, Mm -hmm. to go in front of an immigration officer, claim credible fear, be set as you would be taken into custody set aside for a credible fear hearing, a credible fear officer would decide, an asylum officer would decide whether you have a claim toward asylum. 
you would be set up to see an immigration judge. Usually you're let out at this time. You're, you're, you're let out, uh, you know, to see the judge. And, you know, then, then a determination is made whether you can stay or not. That's how it's supposed to happen. That's the right way to happen. And, and you hear a lot of people say, well, these people are here legally because they're all claiming asylum. No, they're only claiming asylum when they get caught entering illegally, going around the port of entries, and then they claim asylum. So you're allowed to claim credible fear if you're, you know, within your time limits lawfully. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these people are getting caught and then claiming asylum. They're not going to a port of entry. They're trying to illegally sneak around Mm -hmm. and get past border patrol. But if they can't do that and border patrol catches them, then they go, Oh, I want, I want asylum. Right. And most of the people claiming asylum are not claiming asylum based on the grounds that are listed in the law for you to be able to claim asylum, whether it be political, religious, you know, there, there, there are different things on, what, on how you can claim asylum. Most people that are coming over right now are claiming economic asylum, which is not an aspect of the law. Mm-hmm. You cannot say I'm claiming asylum because I can't make enough money in Mexico. It doesn't work that way. That's not what asylum is. So, uh, you, you know, it, it becomes this big problem because now our courts are, are, are bombarded with millions. And, and, and uh, this is not an exaggeration because we've had over three million people enter last year illegally and that were just let in. Um, so now the, all those people have to go to a court case. We don't have the infrastructure to see these cases for years. So now they've been let in with, with a, a notice to appear. Um, the date on that notice appeared to see the judge the first time is out two to three years. So it'll be take two to three years before they're even seeing an immigration judge. And then normally what will happen if they get legal representation, that attorney is going to tell them to go for a continuance. That continuance is then going to bump it for another two years. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, they're here on a notice to appear for five to seven years. Now they've had two kids They've integrated into our society. How do you get rid of them now? Now it becomes an issue, right? Because we don't want to kick out families that maybe they did enter illegally, but they've done good. They haven't committed any other crimes other than the illegal immigration, which is a crime. It is a misdemeanor crime. Again, people always say it's only civil immigration. It's only civil because we choose to take it civilly. We could tend every single one of those cases to the U.S. Attorney's Office on a misdemeanor 1325, 8 U.S.C. 1325, misdemeanor for crossing the border. It's a felony if you get deported and then recross after that, a 1326. But we don't normally do that because we would be bombarding the U.S. Attorney's Office with millions of cases. Right. So we take it civilly. So these, so so now we're not going to do that. We're not going to try to deport. So now we're in a problem. Now we've got millions and millions of people here who did not enter legally. And now we've got to figure out what do we do with them? But there's even a worse problem than that, because while this is all happening with illegal immigration, we've got people actually trying to come in legally. And now their cases are now being set to the side because the system's just a mess. So now you've got a person who's trying to do it legally. And they're like, it's been seven years and I can't get my citizenship because I, I, I can't see an, uh, an immigration officer. The judges aren't available because they're all dealing with everything else. So the problem just keeps growing and growing and growing. And the problem lies with Congress. Hmm. Congress needs to do something about this. You and I, we, we can have great discussion about it. Yeah. We can say what we want. But until Congress gets together and figures this out, 
there's nothing you and I can say or do that that's really going to going to make a difference. We can make a difference locally, maybe, you know, with some of these laws that are being passed in Colorado that I think are abhorrent, you know, that are just horrible for Colorado. We can do things about those, try to make sure that those laws aren't passed. And, and about, you know, that's that's probably the only thing that, that that we can do that we have any effect on, really. Yeah. So what would you say, uh, going back to that last question, what is the biggest thing that would make a difference on the federal level, the biggest thing on the state level? Is there one policy that you can point to and say, look, if I could, you know, wave my magic wand right now, I would fix these two problems on, on the federal and state level. If I was the president of the United States, I would close down the border right now, close it down, make it so that we that people could not enter illegally. So you'd have to come through a port of entry to claim asylum. So you'd have to remain in Mexico. You'd have to remain wherever you are and come in in an orderly fashion, as it should be per law, not coming around our border. So that's number one, what I would do federally. Locally, I would work on these laws that the Democrats have passed that are inhibiting what ICE can do. ICE is not the bad guy. No matter how much Democrats want people to believe that, we are not the bad guy. We are here to protect the communities. These laws that they're passing, they they, they called House Bill 1911-24 the Colorado Safety Act. How do you think that makes an ICE officer, ICE agent feel? You know, the, the morale has gone down so much because they're portrayed as the enemy. I've had protesters at my house. I've had people put pictures in my community of me with Nazi symbols on me. You know, so so, you know, that would be the thing I would do locally is just, you know, Republicans need to step up and stand up and, and fight some of this that, that that's going on. It, it, it needs to happen. And I, I don't think that there's enough of an effort uh, because it's done incrementally. They don't see it as a huge problem until we get 10 years down the road and they take a look backwards and they go, holy cow, we let this happen. We're already halfway there. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point on a lot of legislation that it happens slowly, people aren't paying attention. And then, you know, the outcome is what it is. And in Colorado, we have high crime, yeah. uh, we have a bunch of issues, and it doesn't happen overnight with the, with the drug issues. I mean, there's bills that we've talked about, you know, that have made it easier uh, on on people that are, are drug dealing. There's a bill right now in front of the legislature talking about holding people accountable that are drug dealing when somebody dies. And yes. it's getting opposition. So I think it's important, and, and you pointed this out, of, of engaging locally, making sure uh, that you're aware of what is going on, because it is happening slowly uh, yes. and incrementally. So well, watch first of the all, little laws. Watch them. Yeah. Our, gun, our gun rights are next. Believe me, our gun rights are next. Well, that's, that's happening it, right now. In yes, the it's happening right now. It. Yep. Um, well, first of all, John, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, right. Such an interesting uh, resume and experiences that you've had. Love to have you come back on. Uh, sometime in the future to talk about other issues. So thanks for your insights and joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks. So this has been another episode of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. We'll be back with a new episode. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.